3D movie time capsule for 2017. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adolf. I have with me Jake. Howdy, folks. And uh, welcome to another 3D movie time capsule podcast. This year is going to be 2017. Uh, 2017, Jake. Um, yeah, just to have some historical perspective, it was kind of a crappy year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, Trump became president. Um, there's a lot of, like, bombings and, uh, natural disasters that went all over the world, like Hurricane Maria and Harvey. Maria, uh, Maria really hurts Puerto Rico, Harvey. <sighs> and just, you know, a lot of, I, I was looking through the news for, 2017 just to put it in there and it just seemed like it was a bad year overall like that a lot of bad stuff yep so let's get to the movies um the movies the first movie jake we want to talk about is monster trucks joy um so monster trucks i did not watch this movie this movie was in development hell and Apparently, it came out in 3D, and it basically flopped right away, making it, you know, not having anything money-wise, and huge disaster for the studios. Yeah, didn't play 3D near me. Um, I can smell uh, a boring movie a mile away. Uh, Was almost tempted to go see this, because I was thinking, could this be one of those so bad it's good movies and then i said no it's so bad it's bad so and no 3d near me so that was an easy pass for me yeah um i remember i was trying to find tickets for it fine trying to get screen to see in 3d and I, I just couldn't find anything and it looked terrible it looks absolutely atrociously stupid you know mm-hmm. yeah i've lived i have lived great swaths of my life in monster truck country so this looked really really dumb so uh anyone that's wondering what the plot of this monstrosity pun intended is uh yeah. <laughs> a fracking uh accident happens and these subterranean creatures co- uh come out of the Trini rig and they start inhabiting different uh trucks and they they're friendly yeah, so basically it's Transformers, except uh, we're going to have monsters possess trucks. Yeah, and they're like squid-looking creatures. Um, yeah, it's just stupid. Um, yeah, it looks like it's a perfect to go on a double feature with Gods of Egypt. It, it just looks... We've seen these kind of movies before, Jake. Not, you know, yeah. literally seen them, but like actually seen these kind of cheeky corny movies for kids and it's been a while since something like this was made and there's a reason why you know because it's stupid these are the these are the type of movies that people who want to make movies but don't have any ideas crap out it's just like mac and me (laughs) you know stupid crap movies made for kids that kids are like i don't want to see that that's for babies they're not even made they're not even made for kids they're just made for lowest common denominator the type of people who go to the movies don't even know what's playing they're just they just go to their local movie theater and just look at what's playing and just pick 
the movie that's the closest to uh, the time they got there. And uh, this is the quintessential babysitting movie. You take your kids to go watch this to kill some time. Yeah. And I don't know how I managed to dodge this bullet. Probably because it didn't play 3D, so. Now, uh, let's keep on going here to a movie that I reviewed. Um, Resident Evil Final Chapter. Oh, man. So, the Resident Evil movies. Okay. I was kind of happy to have a final chapter, but this makes no damn sense. I couldn't tell you one Resident Evil movie from another. Not this live-action series, anyway. They all kind of all blur into me as one movie. Uh, There's no stakes. You know, it's just blah, 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 blah. Milo fights the evil corporation. Looks hot in uh, black leather. 3D is not bad. Zombie scenes. Yeah. And uh, this movie, I, I mentioned in a review, this movie has many examples of stupid decisions made by the main characters that make no logical sense but to give the plot an excuse for an elaborate action scene. Yeah, it sounds like every other Resident Evil movie I've seen. Alice is overpowered, and I just can't really ever believe that she's in real danger. Yeah. Um, super quick cuts, and you know, overly zoomed in. Um, it felt like a 2005 movie and that's making fun of it ouch um i mean i gave it a five out of ten uh the 3d was good the 3d has been enjoyable just you know dark in some scenes but still it wasn't like amazing um it just it it was just a way to finish up the franchise which is not really uh, done they're gonna reboot this franchise or um more corny dad jokes reincarnate or <laughs> bring back from the dead more uh, uh. <laughs> um i enjoyed laughing at this movie i don't know if that was intentional or not actual quote from my review <laughs> um it's just pff, whatever yeah all right it's movies it's movies like this that helped kill 3d again I don't remember doing that well either in the box office. Uh, let's keep going here to a movie that um, I didn't get to see until way later. And by the time I watched it, it was like two weeks later. And I barely saw it in 3D. And the 3D was okay, just kind of weak. Um, I did enjoy the movie, but I kind of felt like it was starting to run its course. Uh, the I, Lego Batman movie. Oh, I, me and my brother love this. It wasn't as good as the first Lego movie, but man, there was this thing uh, had so many in jokes with Batman and Legos. But my brother caught a lot more Lego stuff than I did, but because he's really into Legos. But man, they had some great Batman uh, gags, uh, and the whole thing with uh, Barbara Gordon and Bruce Wayne. I really enjoyed this a lot. I mean, it's not as good as the first Lego movie, but damn, it's a lot better than the later Lego movies. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I just felt like three-fourths of the movie I, I liked, and then I just kind of felt like, all right, the joke's over. Let's just move on. And, uh, you know, I, I would give it in a seven. I didn't review it 
Um, what would you have given it? I would have given it a nine. I really thought it was good. I really, one of my favorite scenes was Alfred dressed up as the Bright Knight. And I really wish they had made a Lego figure of that. Okay, uh, let's keep going here to Kong Skull Island. Now, I don't know about you, Jake. I feel like Kong Skull Island is the best of the monster movies. It's damn good. I like this movie a lot. It had just the right enough of of camp. Uh, uh, it was beautifully shot. Tom Hiddleston knocks it out of the park. I mean, he shows he's not just Loki in this movie. I mean, I really liked his performance in this. Uh, and there's some other performances I'm not going to mention because they're not credited, so I think they're supposed to be surprises. There's a lot of good little performances in this. Uh, this movie takes a lot of unexpected turns. I really liked this movie. I liked the 3D. I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, Kong and Godzilla crossing paths in this MonsterVerse. That's going to be a blast. And the one thing about this movie I'll totally give it credit for is that it's actually pretty and it's actually well lit. There's no dark rain scenes like the other Godzilla movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, those type, that type of darkness wouldn't have matched up with Kong. But I mean, this, I used, I mean, I was joking. This is kind of the happy version of Apocalypse now. Yeah. And I love that it's actually set in the seventies. It, it makes it more fun. Yeah. And oh, and I love the little nodder heads. Uh, because that, that's because it was Vietnam and that part of Southeast Asia where they became wildly popular. And uh, the troops brought them home. I mean, yeah, we had them in the States, but not like they did in Southeast Asia. The little nodder heads, also known as bobbleheads. Um, I actually like Brie Lawson in this movie more than I did in her own movie, you know, Captain Marvel. I think she's really great yeah. here. Uh-huh. Oh, I thought she was incredible. And like I said, there was a lot of incredible performances. A lot of people had small parts that were great. Just pow. I mean, I this is one I can't believe this didn't do better in the box office. I thought this was – like I said, I thought this was really good. It's beautifully shot. It was a lot of fun. I really. This is one I like to revisit now and uh, again because three it the three D is really good on my setup. So I didn't watch it in three D. I watched it at home because I wasn't really sure about it. Um, how was it three D? I liked it. I liked it a lot. John Goodman is great in this. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Um, it made five hundred million on the budget of one eighty five, so it was profitable, but not a billion, you know. Yeah. Um. All right, let's keep going here. Oh, uh, one thing before we go, Kong Skull Island, maybe the best Kong movie since the original. I would say yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Peter Jackson movie, I feel like it was too an uh, an hour and a half too long. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, I would rate it. I would rate it below this one. I would make that the Peter Jackson one's the third best Kong movie. 
And the original, I watched that before um, I watched the Peter Jackson one. And it hold, you know, for what it was in 1933 or something, it, it was pretty damn good. And it's. Oh, the effects are incredible even today. And it's. Uh, oh, I love. I mean, I, lo- I like it as an adult. I loved it as a kid because it was violent and scary. And, and like, it was really tight. Like, I remember it being super short, like a, an hour and ten minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have fat on it. It just worked, you know? Yeah. They've restored some of I mean, it's there's a little fat on it now. They've restored some scenes like the spider and some other stuff that's referenced in the these other two Kong movies we're talking about because they were famous and then famously cut out. Uh, but it's kind of hard to beat Fay Ray screaming at the big clay monkey. I think one part of uh, Skull Island that I really give him credit for, they made him scary again. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they they did a great job of making him scary and giving him you know intelligence. Um, and it, it you know he has a great size to him, and it, it, it this one feels like they actually made him a character, not just a, a big ape. Yep, exactly. So Kong Skull Island, definitely um, really good, really, really enjoyable, great movie. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, see it. Even if you can't see it in 3D, it's worth seeing. Um, now to a movie that I was not really super excited for in the previews, but it knocked my socks off, and I say this might be the best uh, live-action remake of Disney. Beauty and the Beast. I love this movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Emma Watson was charming. Um, it's beautiful, beautiful 3D. Um, and the movie itself, I think, you know, a lot of people were criticizing the the whole gay character, and it's such stupid crap. <laughs> yeah. It's... Disney fans gonna Disney fan. I mean... I, I, you know, I thought that stuff they updated was actually really interesting, too. And um, if you see the original cartoon, there's definitely, you know, some kind of inkling that that character was gay in the original. They just, you know, not as abrupt about it. But it's definitely there. Um, and it, it's just a whole lot of nothing. It's just so yeah. stupid. Um, the additional scene with, uh, you know, her talking about her mom. And I, I actually really like it. And I feel like they tying up the story. I love this movie. I, I gave it a 10. I loved it. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, be my guest. Gorgeous in 3D. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and this is and Disney really dropped the ball not giving this a US 3D a home video release. Oh, let's uh, keep going here to Ghost in the Shell. <sighs> okay, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> this was just a dumb idea, Jake. A, a lot of these uh, westernized anime sometimes they work like alita and other times they don't like this yeah um so i got to a free screen of this and i saw it in 2d and uh, Kristen watched it in 3d and she wrote the review she thought the 3d was excellent uh gave it editor's choice great 3d uh jake did you watch this in 3d yeah i i it's great 3d in fact i just i recommend turn your brain off and enjoy the spectacle um, the movie 
the whitewashing aspect is it just doesn't make sense. It it, it just doesn't. My attitude is the character is uh, an android robot thing, so race isn't that much of an issue to me. But I'm speaking from it from a white person's point of view, so take that with a grain of salt. I don't have an axe to grind. Just because it didn't bother me doesn't mean it wasn't wrong or was right. It's a, it's still not a good movie. And Scarlett Johansson, I mean, I guess she's playing a robot or whatever, but she's just bland and wooden and just bad in this. Yeah, sounds like another um, spirit. And the movie was just so hitting your head. Look how philosophy, you know, philosophy we are. Look how spiritual we are, and how and it's like I get it. You don't have to, you know, rub that in your face. And it just, I hated this movie. Um, I gave it a three. Kristen liked it more. She gave it a six. What would you give it, Jake? Between a four and a five. <laughs> and that's because the three D was really good. All right, let's uh, move on here to a movie that I didn't watch. Because, uh, you know, it was just so many things going on. And um, it looked really bad. I don't think I saw any 3D screenings anywhere near me. Um, and I heard this movie is really weird. It's not what you think it is. Uh, Boss Baby. Oh, God. I got stuck uh, on babysitting duty for this. Uh, this is a movie the kids were like, what the? And they were scratching their heads. I don't know who this movie was made for. It was not made for kids. It was not made for families. Uh, this, to me, is like the this movie. I, the only audience I can think this movie would appeal to would be the people that watch uh, a Fox Financial Channel or CNBC religiously. <laughs> and have to know what their stock portfolio is every minute of the day. Has to know where it's at. I mean... Uh, and those are the type of people I don't think really have an interest in 3D animation voiced by Alec Baldwin. Um, was this before he started um, being Trump on SNL or, or was it the same time? I think this was before. Which this kind of cemented him going into that. And I, I think he's great as Trump on SNL. Yeah, I mean, this might have came out after, but it was I know he did it before. but. This is kind of, this is just weird. It's one of those things, if you start thinking about it, none of it makes sense. And it's kind of creepy. I mean, not creepy like Passengers, but it's still pretty damn creepy. Now, um, it kind of reminded me of a spinoff from Who Framed Roger Rabbit with the Baby Herman character. <laughs> and like, yeah, Baby Herman just being a um, little person. Who just got you know looks like a baby, but then he really is an adult, and you know that's what it looked like to me. And I just I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like going, boss baby. It would be a better president than what we have, but hey. <sighs> All right, let's keep going here to a movie that I enjoyed. I really enjoyed. I just felt like it disappointed me, uh, but it's still a really good movie. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Volume 2. I, well, I liked it a lot. I thought it was fine. Uh, it went places I didn't think it would go. Uh, I thought it had some moving moments. Uh, great soundtrack. Uh, 
I thought James Gunn hit it out of the park. I enjoyed the 3D. 3D is really good. 3D is most excellent. Um, there's a, a scene toward the end where uh, Star-Lord is like with his dad and it's cosmic and that looks really cool. Oh, I like the prison. Um, there's one scene in the prison with uh, where people are falling. The 3D and that is like editor's choice, most excellent. Yeah, and this was the last, um, I believe this was the last Marvel movie to get a U.S. 3D home video release. And and if I remember correctly, it was a Best Buy exclusive. I think what I didn't like about it was that, you know, the comedy was really hit and miss. And there's a lot of plot holes, a lot of things that were just not resolved. And they really kind of haven't been resolved since either. No, well... I saw a lot of it as world building. And then, of course, there's a zillion Easter eggs, everything from eternity uh, showing up in uh, Star-Lord's eyes. I mean, there's just so, mu so much stuff going on. Uh, and from the original Guardians, a cameo in. And, and uh between James Gunn getting fired and the pandemic, God knows what's going to get resolved and what's going to get changed around and what's going to happen. Uh, I d yeah, Disney did say that he's back for it. And once he's done with Suicide Squad, which I don't know when that's going to be, um, you know, he can start working on that. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. I mean... The world's right now in, yeah, our uh, apocalypse is kind of in a holding pattern right now. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. What would you have given it, Jake? Uh, well, I would have given it an 8. Okay. Alright, let's uh, keep going here to the final Pirates movie? Pirates, Dead Men Tell No Tells? Yeah, there's a good chance this may be the final pirates of this franchise because they're talking about rebooting it with red uh did you watch the 3d in 3d yeah it was fine i mean this is just a, a a pointless story shameless everybody's here for the money it's a tired premise at this point uh it doesn't have any of the magic that the first one had and it doesn't have anything clever like when the zombies walk uh across the ocean bottom to invade I thought that was just so funny and clever because, hey, zombies don't need to breathe so they can sneak up underwater. That just made so much sense uh, for the first one. Spoilers. Uh, but uh, this one just didn't have anything like that. You have Johnny Depp slapstick. And heck, he wasn't even in it that much. I mean, this made um, bouts almost 800 million and a budget of almost 300 million. So it was profitable, but not as much as Disney would have wanted. The previous ones made a lot more money. Mm-hmm, because you, uh, you really want to make three times what you spend. Because of marketing and such. And, you know, expectations game, too. You know, other ones are huge hits. Yeah, and also the studio's got a split with the theater chains, and it's approximately 50-50. Those numbers may vary by the time you listen to this. You know, things may change in the future, but still... Yeah, this may get a re-release in China, and it does bank like Doolittle. Who knows? Uh, I watched two of these movies. 
Um, and I'm not a big fan of them. I just, I think I skipped the second and the third one. I went to the fourth one. I don't remember which ones I watched. And it's diminishing returns. And uh, after a while, these movies just start blending into one another. I don't remember these movies um, being like that much building on top of each other. I think that they, they, they have some building, but then most of it is independent, right? Or no? Yeah, they, they don't really have story run from movie to movie. They're, and that's one of the things I think hurts them a little bit. Uh, and the fact that uh, they had a really good idea and then they didn't really expand on it. They just decided to, uh, we caught lightning in a bottle. We're going to try to repeat that ad nauseum, you know. But instead of uh, Minions and Universal, Warner Brothers is going to do, is going to turn Jack Sparrow into a, a one person minion. All right, let's uh, keep going to Wonder Woman. This is a fantastic movie. I love Wonder Woman. Uh huh. Yeah. This is like, why isn't Patty Jenkins directing more? I had really good 3D. Um, I, I I really loved just the world building here and how you get to know Wonder Woman, and um, it's just so good. It's Gal Gadot knocked my socks off. I mean, I wish she would eat a little more. Uh, I thought she was a little skinny, but uh. Because I've seen a few cosplayers who've got some muscle on them, and wow, you know, they kind of had the look of what you'd think Wonder Woman. But, I mean, she was convincing in the part. I mean, she acted the crap out. And her and Chris Pine have incredible chemistry. Yeah, it, absolutely. And that's a, such a big part. Steve Trevor is a big part of her story in the comics and in this movie, and it works wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And he was, and Chris Pine's a perfect actor to be Steve Trevor. The scenario here with World War One, I, I was not sure about it before, and they nailed it. Uh, oh, my brother, he's like a big World War One buff. If you remember, uh, listeners, he's the guy who was with me when we reviewed "They Shall Not Grow Old." Uh, he even wanted to go see this. Heck, he wants to see the. Kingsman sequel too because it's set in World War One because he's just into World War One and and I really like that they teamed her up with the Blackhawks you know a variation of them but is made into World War One fighters I mean kind of almost like DC's version of the Howling Commandos and I thought that was brilliant to give her a team of guys to work off of yeah, that team was really fun too. Like they all had personality traits, and you know, there's one of them there that actually has legitimate PTSD, and they walk them through it, and it, it just is so much there. It's so filling. It, it's much more than just a stupid action comic book movie. It's yeah, I would love to see these guys in their own movie. And the fact that she does fail um, toward the middle of the movie, and how she handles that is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Captain Marvel movie should have taken some notes on this. This is how you present a lead female character in a movie. Because uh, she's this is her movie. She stars in it. Everybody else is a support. They have good parts. 
but the Captain Marvel movie, my biggest problem with it was that it wasn't a Captain Marvel movie. It was a, a Nick Fury movie. Yeah. Gal Gadot, like you said, she, her humor, she just has a warmth to her character and a perfect, you know, be naive aspect, naive day, or I don't know how to pronounce that right, but still, it, it just, it works. And, you know, the scene that everyone loves about this movie, which is insane that Warner Brothers fought tooth and nail to not have it, is the No Man scene and No Man Land, and it's just incredible to see in 3D. It's incredible visuals, and it, it, it's just such an important aspect of the story. How could they not have this movie? This I don't know how they could say, no, that's not worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of the things that's like, it's a wow factor moment. And, you know, it doesn't, like, make the World War One into a really pretty movie either, a really, you know, heroic movie. War. It, it it shows some of the horrors of the war in a way that is palatable for PG thirteen and for a comic yeah. book movie, and it makes it you know really serious. And it's like, wow, it really does a great job of portraying how you know people forget how you know gruesome World War One was. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's nobody alive who fought in World War One. World War One is history now. Because the veterans have all passed on. The only aspect of the movie that I didn't think land 100% was kind of how the ending, it felt like a little too short, a little too simple. Um, yeah, they kind of, yeah, they kind of trapped on the kind of the fake out and the big boss fight they do in a lot of martial arts movies. Uh, I really thought that was a little mm, uh, kind of fell apart, but this movie was so good. Uh, that was just a minor quibble. Yeah, um, I gave it a nine. What would you have given it? Uh, I probably would have given it a nine since we do uh, whole numbers. But man, I'd be tempted to give it a ten. It really was something amazing back then. People kind of remember, oh yeah, Wonder Woman. There was no guarantee this would be a success. No guarantee at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Wonder Woman had a successful TV show, uh, had a semi-successful TV movie, uh, but it had a lot of failed pilots. And, you know, she being the most recognizable female lead comic book uh, character, having so much pressure on this movie to succeed, and it nailed it. I, I, I know yeah. some, some people don't love it. I, I, I don't get why they don't i think it just does everything perfectly right yeah well there's a lot of people don't like this it's 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 political they've they've really tried to make wonder woman into a political thing more than she should be with with some people and this is just politics aside i mean this is just a damn good movie it's a damn good superhero movie you know it's a it's a popcorn audience pleasing movie 3D is great. It's great not in 3D, too. I mean, this is one that's well worth seeing if you haven't seen it. Definitely great for uh, the test of surround sound, and, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have seen the rest of the DCU to follow it. Yeah. Um, it stands alone beautifully. And it, it might, you know... 
there's some talk now if this is you know still number one, but it was the best DC Comics movie since Dark Knight. I think so. Well, it is good. All right. Um, from one truly wonderful movie to one truly awful movie. Uh, the Mummy with Tom Cruise. God. <laughs> what in the hell was Universal thinking? They managed to make Tom Cruise look ten years older than he actually is. But he looked awful in this movie. His makeup was terrible. The lighting was terrible. The 3D was murky in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Uh, this You could tell this movie was cut and cut and cut and re-edited and rejiggered and just... This was filmmaking by committee. Uh, we got a. This was. This is what happens when you try to re- replicate the Marvel formula and don't put the work in to set things up. Yeah. DC did. DC did it, and now Universal did it, and I don't know what in the we're going through a horror movie renaissance. Horror movies are more popular now than they have been since the 1930s. And what does Universal decide to do with their monsters? Make horror movies? Hell no. They want to do some generic action-adventure crap. Uh, I mean, The Mummy's even worse than the new Hellboy movie. And this was supposed to be the the start of the new, quote-unquote, dark universe. And... Yeah, this starting because uh, Van Helsing was the was supposed to be the first one, and that would actually I think I'd rather watch Van Helsing again than this. Well, Dracula Untold was supposed to be the the first one. Oh, I forgot about that. So this is this is the third third boot of a uh, dark universe. Uh, Invisible Man was supposed to be part of this, but I, don't, I think it got maybe retconned out. Um, that came out this year, 2020, that we're recording. Did you watch that? Oh, God, yes. That's a 10. If you haven't seen it, stop this podcast and go watch it. That movie is amazeballs. That is one of the most amazing takes on the Universal Monsters that I've ever seen. It is amazing. So, The Mummy being a big flop, uh, both critically and money-wise, it, it really kind of destroyed the rest of the um, dark universe because there's supposed to be a Frankenstein movie, Invisible Woman, a Monster Mash movie, Dracula, Wolfman, all that's now to be a, you know, to be announced. And it, Mummy was just bad. I was like, okay, you know, I actually really like the Brendan Fraser Mummy. The fr- original was really good. Yeah, it, yeah the, the, the first Mummy movie, it was great. It was the sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark that we never got. Because it's a movie called Indiana Jones. They're terrible. Uh, but Raiders was this amazing. And here's the mummy. Kind of is a ripoff of, of Raiders of the Lost Ark, but more family friendly. And it worked. It did. It worked. And this doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Yeah, there's uh, Tom Cruise isn't charming. He's t- He's, I mean, the biggest laugh the movie gets is when um, 
Russell Crowe calls him young man, and Tom Cruise looks like he's ten years older than Russell Crowe in this movie. His he should fire everybody who talked him into this. I mean, my God, this is just like such a misfire on every level. Uh, and the three D is horrible in this movie. Is is god awful. There's like a couple scenes here and there that was kind of cool, like one scene on the um, plane. But for the most part, it's just way too dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just don't know how to make it work. Yeah, and this movie can't decide if it's serious, if it's funny. I mean, there's a couple of things in here that are laugh out loud funny, but I don't really think they're supposed to be jokes. Yeah, the writing is awful. It's just trying to be so corny. And then the uh, the tone, it feels like okay, fine, you're gonna have a corny movie, sure. But then they have like excessive cursive uh, cursing and language in this, and just like okay, I'm okay with that, but it just doesn't seem to fit this movie. Couldn't decide what it wanted to be. You have the buddy acting like he's in a uh, an American werewolf in London, uh, and oh yeah, you know his friend just keeps after he's dead, keeps talking to him and stuff. And it's, what the hell? I mean, this movie couldn't decide what it was. And Tom Cruise's character, they couldn't decide what they wanted to do with him. A ton of plot holes, too. <laughs> uh, this this thing has such a plot hole, I don't even think it technically has a plot. I just think it's just become this big plot black hole that you sink into. Yeah, Chris Vale here as a sidekick. Oh my god, he's insufferable. <laughs> this movie's insufferable. He just would not shut up, and it was just annoying. It was like, just go away! <laughs> You're a ghost. You're not helping anything. It's, oh my god. Um, Yeah, and then it just, it's just so stupid, and it doesn't work. Um, Yeah. I, I gave this a 3 out of 10. That's generous. What would you give it, Jake? I might be tempted to give this one a two, <laughs> simply because it's in focus. Uh, they just you, the reason this movie was in focus is because they had an autofocus to, on the camera when they filmed this. Let's move on. Let's uh, talk about Cars Three. Uh, <laughs> is it's not worse than the Mummy. It's actually an improvement over Cars Two, but that's I'm damning it with faint praise. So this isn't a spy movie? No, this isn't uh, a spy movie. It's it's more... It's um, it's probably... It's not as good as the play... Is, is the kind of... The, some of the spinoffs, like... Um, some of the plane spinoffs, but it's... it's, it's a re- they're kind of returning back to the first movie. They're kind of repeating some of the same beats. Of course, minus... Uh, Several characters, most notably Doc, you know, rest in peace, Paul Newman. Uh, he was uh, one of the reasons the first Cars movie was so charming and worked as well as it did. But this is kind of, if you're, if you're a hardcore fan, you'll probably get more out of it than a casual fan. Uh, but the little mater goes a long ways. Thank God there's not as much of him in this as there was in the second one. How's the 3D aspect of this? It's good. Uh, I mean, it's... Pixar 
did a good job. I mean, it's, you know, 3D animation. I mean, they should be able to do this in their sleep. And it looks like they were awake for this one. Cars 2, they were asleep. All right, let's uh, keep going here. Transformers, The Last Night, which is the last Transformers movie before Bumblebee. Uh, all of these movies, except Bumblebee, all kind of merge into one crap ball. So this was the rare movie that was filmed in IMAX 3D. What a waste. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it looks fantastic because it was filmed in IMAX 3D and it, everything looks great. It's just not often or ever really that a movie's filmed in IMAX 3D. It's, you know. Oh, is this, is this the one that has the stupid, um, national treasure kind of plot line to it? Uh, um, what was this about? Yeah. I, yeah. Basically it's that one where. The Transformers were, you know, kind of retconned that they were in the past. And it's a, it's a, you know, that kind of flashback and, oh, let's go back in time and have Mac, Mark Wahlberg, you know, help with solving the mystery of the past and the Transformers. And um, it's just convoluted. And, okay, I, 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 it's combo complexicated is what I term I used, another word I made up. Um, and it's whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. It's a smoke screen. We don't have a story. We're just going to throw things on the screen. Um, yeah, it's not a high art by any means. I did like it. It's just, it is what it is. And, you know, I laughed, I cringed, I, I was confused. It, it, it's a Transformers movie, maybe the best one, but it, it's still... A six out of ten, you know, is not a best of anything. <laughs> and this got a 3D home video release, and Bumblebee hasn't. It just proves there's no justice. Yeah, the 3D, I just love it. I, I went to um, something that is very rare still, which it might be become rare in the future. Um, it's something that should be very popular. Uh, IMAX laser. Have you seen this? Uh-uh. Mag I don't have it. Oh, it's it's a rare thing. Um, there is one theater in the entire state of Texas that has it, and it's not too far away from me. I would watch every movie here in 3D if I could. It's that excellent of a presentation. The problem is this um, IMAX theater is kind of like part of a I don't know how to put it. Um, like the University of Austin, uh, uh, and they don't let you, like, they have their own website, so you have to, you know, go in there and park, and you can't, like, buy tickets from Fandango, and you have to buy it through there, and they don't have assigned seats, so you have to just be there early to get in, you know, your seat. It, it just, you know, the technology, visually, excellent. Like, this is the best visuals I've seen in 3D, you know, and it just... It's, absolutely beautiful um to see because it was filmed in imax 3d and this is the biggest imax theater in texas i went to and i thought it's just stunningly beautiful and this is you know 
They use laser beams, for God's sakes. <laughs> this isn't projection. This is something totally awesome technology. And this is a you know thing that IMAX, okay, this is worth IMAX. And uh, the, the laser is just top-notch, top-notch, perfect. Like, brightness, everything is beautiful and wonderful with IMAX laser. Absolutely recommend it. And knowing that theaters are in you know troubled straits now i don't know if many other places will have it but this is this is what i wanted you know when pe- yeah, i was excited for imax this is what it is this is lives up to the hype the problem is you know i gotten used to having you know assigned seats in the theaters i don't want to have to rush in there and try to get a decent seat you know i, I feel like those days should be long extinct you know yeah but it is what it is it figures you get the latest technology on the screen, but you have to go back 30 years with the technology to attend the show. Yeah, and that just makes it so inconvenient to want to watch these movies there because of that purpose. Because it's just like, I don't want to have to, you know, I, I waited, I got there an hour early, waited in line outside because they did not have inside area to wait. And, you know, this was July of, 20 of 20 of this year it was hot as hell out there um yeah june sorry and it, it it's just like they gave us free t-shirts but it's just like okay cool but still i mean they don't have good concessions either it was like just popcorn hot dogs and coke and that's it it's like come on man come on everything else is the technology is top notch and the experience is you know 1995 <laughs> yeah well, it could have been worse. I mean, I can remember when movie theater seats were wooden, folded up, and didn't have drink holders. Yeah, I mean, that was the bad old days. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so you didn't care if a movie was only 70 minutes, because those wooden seats weren't that comfortable. And that is the largest IMAX screen, and it it's real IMAX. It's not the lie Max, the fake IMAX. Uh, yeah, faux Max. Yeah, it's a great IMAX screen, great technology. It looked wonderful to see a movie there. I want to see more movies there, but they never show them in good times either. And just like, come on, man, it's six o'clock in the afternoon. You can't have one at seven or eight. You know, it, I only have like one or two 3D screenings. It's just like, come on, you're kidding me, man. You have this awesome tech and you're just not managing it well enough. All right. Let's uh, keep going here to Despicable Me 3. Jake, what are your thoughts on this? Cash grab. They're just, I mean, it just it just wasn't funny. There was probably enough material here for a half-hour TV special, and they just padded it out to a movie. And it's just like, oh, let's just have the minions doing amusing things. Yeah, this series has just basically become minions, minions, minions. But to me, the most interesting part of what made the first Despicable Me movie so wonderful was Gru's relationship with his adopted daughters and just how it changed him. And Steve Carell just knocked it out of the park voice wise. And this movie had no charm, no heart. It was just slapstick through by the numbers. Uh, we got to make Gru a good guy now. That was another thing that made the first one. He was not a good guy. Sure, he had a change of heart, but he was still the bad guy. 
was still a villain. Now he's he's not. Even, they're they're trying to make him a good guy because oh, this is popular. It just. Uh... All right. Um. Let's uh, keep going to actually a really really good movie, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh yeah, this was a great little movie. Great 3D. Uh, great great scenery. This was just great. The first spider. The poster is not great. <laughs> oh, there's some great ones, but there's some bad ones too for this movie. And you know, the, the, you know the poster I'm talking about, where they had um, Tony Stark and all these heads of everyone there, and just like too busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is the first Spider-Man movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in association with uh, Sony. Uh huh. They knocked this out of the park so good, and and Michael Keaton is the Vulture. Oh my God! I hope he returns as the character in the MCU somehow. I mean, he just bam, just owned it. Uh, there's a little bit too much Tony Stark in this. A little bit too much Iron Man. Yeah, but I understand why they did it, and in hindsight, I think they did it because. Spoilers, Iron Man was going to sacrifice himself. Uh, they wanted to make that connection between him and Spider-Man really, really strong. So it would have a lot of weight and heft to it, in this, especially when they reference the events of uh, in the in- Infinity War in um, the next Spider-Man movie. Um, the Vulture here is, is really one of the best Marvel villains. Mm-hmm. And you, you clearly know his motivations, and Michael Keaton, Nick, you said, great, absolutely nails it. And it's it's so refreshing to finally have a villain that was not in Spider-Man villain in the movie before, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, the Vulture's always been one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. His motivations have always been, you know, I think that's why he's almost become almost an anti-hero in the comics. He's, uh, and their motivation here, you know, he has this tech, and he's trying to get by. I mean, it really shows the reality. Uh, this uh, they use the attack, the attack on New York, as a metaphor for the struggles New York had after uh, 9/11. You know, just cope. Well, everybody's, you know, let's roll and all this stuff. New Yorkers are actually had to pick up the pieces. Uh, from that event and the world moved on but they couldn't they had to pick up and this movie uh, really showcased that in a very subtle and used it to forward the plot of the movie and give it the vulture motivation uh, the sense of humor here is fantastic they, I love the one time when he can't you know use his spider web and just has to run <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I really like that what they did with Aunt May they got they they made her into a vibrant real person instead of uh, a a spinster caricature uh, from the nineteen twenties that was thrown into a sixties comic book. Yeah, she's not an elderly old woman that is just there. Yeah, that's older than his. That would be his great grandmother, <laughs> not his aunt. Yeah, it's kind of silly when you think about it. If it's his aunt, I mean. It, yeah, you got. Uh, 80-year-old woman looking after a 16-year-old boy. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Makes you really question how old was the mom when they had him. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, one aspect of the movie I did not like then. Now, they kind of explain things to a sense. But I feel like the, they didn't have any spidey senses. And it really bugged me. Well, it probably didn't develop it. But hey, the, in the sequel, that joke, the Peter Tingle was worth the wait. <laughs> That is so embarrassingly inappropriate, (laughs) Peter Tingle. (laughs) Um, And it really bugged me as well that they did. It was set in New York. I would have. I just wanted one inkling of the defenders there. It would have made so much sense if they would have had. Hey, is that uh, the the devil from Hell's Kitchen? Oh, no, that's not him. That's Spider-Man. All they had to do to, but they wouldn't do it. It just made me so mad that they don't have any connection there. I understand they're mature Netflix shows, but they could have had a cameo. Come on. I would have loved it too, but I understand why it didn't happen because uh, Ike Putterman. I know. It just, it's so frustrating because there were so many opportunities missed because of Ike Putterman. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel a little bit that he was underpowered in this movie. Then, you know, he was like super powered in, um, the previous movie when he was in Civil War. Spider-Man. Yeah. I still really loved it. I thought it was great. I gave it an eight. Yeah. I thought it was great too. What would you give it? I probably would have won a nine. Like I did this. Cause I believe I gave the second one a nine too. Or maybe I did give it an eight. I mean, they're both, they're both, these are really good movies. I mean, uh, I mean, as much as, um, rates up there with the sec with the Raimi, um, second spider movie, the one with Doc Ock. Let's, uh, go to another great movie. Now, the one criticism I'll give is that these movies have kind of misleading trailers and misleading posters. But the movies themselves are fantastic. It is the final um, War for the Planet of the Apes movie. And uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, I love. I think it's a fantastic movie. Uh, Sadly, for my experience, I feel like the 3D was bad in all of the movies. But the movie itself was fantastic. Well, uh, I got satisfactory um, 3D. I think it's because I yell at my theater enough and crack the whip on them that they tr- they attempt to most of the time i mean every once in a while they screw the pooch like venom and mess up a screening to the point of unwatchability but um they managed to get a decent presentation out of the apes movies where i saw them it seemed too subtle for me like they're just basic it was there it was okay it just didn't do anything to amaze you. It didn't have any scenes that were like, okay, this is really meant for the 3D. It just, yeah, we don't happen to have it in 3D. We have some cool things, but it just, yeah, fine. It was fine. It just wasn't editor's choice. But this movie, man, I just kept thinking, if they had did this, this, and this, this would have been so good. Now, I love this movie. Jake, you don't love this movie? I, I love this series, and I'm a big Apes fan. I love the original 
apes movies. I've seen them zillions of times. I love them, love them, love them. Have a tendency to not like reboots. I love this reboot. I mean, the Tim Burton one was kind of, eh, not bad, not great. But uh, but th- these, these Matt Reeves, wow, knocked it out of the park. Incredible series. Love it. It feels like this shouldn't be a um, blockbuster. This should be like an independent movie. It's so well thought of. It's so well done. This is not like an action movie. Yeah, it feels like an HBO series almost. Yeah, like West Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> and it just feels like we got on the big screen a really good season of a planet of the apes just broken down into three movies yeah it's very serious very dramatic a lot of spoken dialogue and it just it's not a summer movie people you know but i still love these movies it's very cerebral Uh uh-huh it's they're well thought out this the people aren't stupid uh this is intelligent filmmaking i mean at but it's still you know, but it still has enough action and suspense, and I mean, it's a, it's a popcorn movie with a little more chew on it. The acting and writing is excellent. I love how it worked. Uh huh. I highly recommend these movies. The the visuals excellent, excellent. These apes look perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colonel Woody Harrelson, magnificent. Love him. Yep. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's been on a roll these last few years yeah they talk about keanu reeves having his little renaissance woody harrelson's going through one too some good stuff he's doing and they have like a a a character that was in a zoo and how the ape and how he reacts and he's actually kind of a really good comic relief works really well this is great Mm -hmm. um now i i kind of feel like the ending is just so deus ex machina it's just like little too convenient. Come on, guys. You could do a little bit better than that. It just seems a little bit too perfect. Yeah, but don't always stick the landing. Um, I think Disney said that they're thinking about continuing this series. Um, but, I mean, obviously that's a whole different ballgame now with COVID. But I kind of feel like this series ends so well here. You don't really need a sequel. Yeah. Well, when Disney bought Fox, they bought a lot of stuff. I'm thinking they don't know what to do with because it doesn't fit their brand. Uh, Planet of the Apes is one of those things. Aliens is one of those things. Predator is one of those. Another one of those things. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is definitely one of those things. And uh, and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is most definitely one of those things. 2017 is when we finally, you know, we were here. We heard rumors about. The Fox buyout from Disney for years, but it was finally official in 2017, or, you know, it was not just a rumor. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the next logical movie would be to do a real Planet of the Apes reboot, you know, kind of just like it was for, you know, when it came out with Wahlberg. I would love to see them uh, adapt Rod Serling's uh, tape. Yeah. Especially on this sequel, which they didn't go with. Because because uh, of all the of the original series, the second movie's the weakest, and uh, and I blame that on Charlton Heston not wanting to do it. 
and then they uh, rejected Rod Serling's script and went with pretty much a rehash of the first movie minus what made it interesting. But the rest of the series is a lot more interesting, even though the budgets got lower and the makeup got to be worse. But it's still it's still worthwhile. Uh, Rod Serling, for listeners who may not know, he was uh, the main guy that was in the Twilight Zone. And he actually wrote yeah. a lot of science fiction. Mm-hmm. He wrote most of the Twilight. He's most famous for being the narrator of the original show. That's because uh, CBS, who produced the show, wouldn't pay what uh, Orson Welles was asking to be the narrator. So Serling did it. Yeah. And, and Serling... He was a legend. He was tr- legitimately way above his t- uh, time, way beyond the 50s. You know, some of this stuff was radical through then. And, it, it, you know, it, that's why it holds up so well today. The original show, magnificent. Yeah, it was a great show. There's probably maybe only a handful of episodes that there were a misfire. Uh but, I mean, this thing ran for years and years and years. This was back in the day when a, a, a TV season would have 36 episodes. So what's the difference between Rod Serling's Planet of the Apes and the theatrical version of it? Uh, well, um, the biggest – well, we don't know because it was never – I mean, he worked on the first movie a little bit. But he, the second script is the one that I've always wanted to see done, because uh, it basically was going to expand on the civilization and what had happened to the humans and stuff, not this really weird atomic cult who worships the bomb and that crap. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that you got to give these new Apes movies is that all of them are excellent and. The, you know, not just the first movie. It's all three of them are fantastic. Where the original Apes movies, the only the first one I think was great. <laughs> I like some of the uh, the later ones, especially if you've got to see the uh, uh, longer cuts of them. Uh, I mean, the Battle of the Planet of the Apes. I've always really liked that one. The last one in the original series. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you credit. There is definitely some really good ones, but I feel like. These this trilogy of apes is superior than the other. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's like I'm a big fan of the Fugitive TV series, but the movie with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones is just mind-blowingly good. Um. So yeah, I, I just feel like these new apes movies really get the sense of the apes movies, and before the seven, the other ones, I, there's some good ideas there. There's some goodness there. I, 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 I would agree with you. The second one is really weak. Very bad. Oh, yeah. And the, and the practical makeup in the Apes movies, especially the first few of them, you know, well, three or four, are incredible. Uh, towards the end and in the, and the TV show, they really uh, slacked off and on the makeup. But, of course, now they do it all digitally and with, with capture and – they really utilized that new technology to make it look really interesting and did things with it, you know, that to me were cool. But I, I do love pra- practical effects and, and some of the makeup in 
the Planet of the Apes is still awe-inspiring, even today. I will say that the Mark Wahlberg, uh, Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes did have great makeup. I- I- I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the story just isn't there. Yeah. It's 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 it takes a lot of things from the original book, and I always thought the original book kind of was weird, and I just thought that Serling's adaption for the first movie was he just took it and made it into a, a, a movie that you know you, you get your astronauts, they come back, then the then the you find out they came home. Which, if you don't know that by now, you need to watch more Simpsons. Um, Andy Serkis deserves so much credit for making this work. Yeah, his his capture work. Because I mean, they should just have a category in all the award shows and call it the Circus. Because he was great in Golem. He was great here. He just the capture work is something that's not appreciated by. Um, by Hollywood, really. I mean, it, I guess it is now, but like, yeah, Oscars don't care. And heck, and even his turns as, uh, I mean, his turn in, as an actor in Black Panther. I mean, he was awesome as an over-the-top villain, and then he is just, bam, taken out. Yeah. So he's not even the big villain. He's just the catalyst for the big villain. Yeah, he played uh, Ulysses Claw. <laughs> and, um... He's going to be playing uh, Pennywell, uh, Alfred in the Batman upcoming movie. Yeah, I'm real interested to see that, especially with the way they've reinvented Alfred as a, mer- as a British former, you know, commando kind of soldier who takes care of Bruce. I mean, he was Kong, King Kong in 2005. Yeah, exactly. He deserves a Lifetime Achievement Award. He just... Award, yeah. He's he's taken capture to a whole other level. Yeah, it, it really it's and it is acting. I'm sorry, it, you guys could you know debate it. It is it is acting. He is being an, a role. Uh huh. And he's shown he can act. I mean, yeah. Like I said, Ulysses Claw. I mean, and I just loved how over the top and just how manic he was, and just he just brought a joy to like I love being evil. Speaking of evil, <laughs> now going from the polar opposite of the absolutely cerebral and wonderfully made apes movies to complete and total garbage, the Emoji movie. Oh my god. Uh, we got a floater here. Flush harder. Oh my god. You might need to get the um, poop knife because this turd ain't going down easy. <laughs> this is just so this is just shameless cash grab. Yeah. This is the everybody should be ashamed of doing this. Oh, Jake. So when this came out, me and uh James were just ripping it apart left and right every every trailer, every mention of this movie, and we neither one of us were like we no way in hell that we could actually give a fair review to this. So we just skipped it. And it, it I was like, okay, everyone reviewed it, and it was terrible reviews. I eventually did see it drunk, and I absolutely hated it. It was worse than I could imagine it to be. This is really one of the worst movies 
of this decade and maybe one of the worst movies of all time. It really is that bad. Uh, the, I was I got stuck on the duty to take kids uh, to see this. They were crying. It's just so immensely stupid. It makes no sense in computer sense either. You know, apparently, all right, so there's an emoji and then the emoji has kids, which, okay, they're just programs. They're not really sentient, but in the movie, they're sentient. Whatever. Okay, fine. And they have to go to different apps, which then the apps are commercials for other apps like Instagram and Candy Crush. And it's like, congrats. And Emoji Movie, congratulations. You make Boss Baby make sense. And you don't have to go through apps. They just go around it. It doesn't make any sense. And there's like a whole Firewire thing. It's just like, what? It doesn't make sense. It, 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 yeah. They don't know how. Whoever wrote this doesn't know how computers work or social media works. I mean, Ralph Breaks the Internet is a thousand times better than this. And it has it has some kind of sense to it. This makes no sense. It just it's its own universe that just doesn't work. And it's ironic that after this movie came out, the you know they actually have like the joke that he didn't know how to pick an emoji, and like it made this weird face. That emoji now exists, and it's just like no, you just it shouldn't have to exist. It's like sticking the tongue out and like uh, emoji. I don't know if you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it, it just, it's so stupid. It, it's every single cliche. Um, I know a lot of YouTubers, they went to go see this movie and they, they're like, yeah, we get, we got free screening of it. It still sucks. It's absolutely trash. I don't care if they gave me a free screening for it. <laughs> and I, we could not in good faith give you a decent review because we were hating on this. Me, you know, it, this, me and James were just like, are you kidding me? You know, it's not a parody, and this is just as awful as you could imagine it to be. Yep. You watched this in 3D or no? Yep. Oh, how was it? It was fine because it's animated. You have to work at making 3D animation look like crap. and I mean, it takes a special skill set of incompetence, uh, and uh, they didn't have that skill set with this. They just had it with every other aspect of this movie. And Patrick Stewart should be ashamed of himself for being in this. Yeah, that was such a thing. You're going to be a turd, really? Patrick Stewart, seriously? You're going to be a piece of crap? Um, and it, it, it really, it just is money. And it's just like, come on, you're better than this. You are better than this. What makes me mad is there's probably... Uh, this wasn't a bad idea for a movie. This was a bad idea put to film. But what sucks is this did so poorly, probably nobody else is going to try to do something about our inter- about how how our real life intersects with internet life and internet culture. Yeah, there was a good idea in this. I know people make fun of it, but in theory, this could be a good idea if they present it well enough. Like the Lego movie. In theory, that didn't make any sense. It could have been exactly this movie. But in reality, the Lego movie hits it out of the park because they know how to make a fun story. And it, this is the exact opposite of Lego movie. Yeah. And they understood their product. And they tried to do something beyond selling their product. This just seemed like, 
oh, we're just going to advertise various anything that'll pay us money. This is pretty much the food fight of animated movies. This is for the, this is to the internet what food fight was to br- food brand icons. It's just such a sellout of a movie, and you know if if he wants if okay, Patrick Stewart really wanted to be emoji, not be the poop emoji. He could have been the thinking emoji. That fits his brand. He the thinking emoji is bald. You know, Picard is very smart. That would have worked. No, we went for the lowest common denominator, which is the poop emoji. And every joke here is the lowest common denominator. It is the most basic joke. It was written by someone that just should be ashamed of themselves. It's not funny. It's just stupid. It's just like annoying to watch. Yeah, this movie felt like it was something, uh, a pitch that somebody came up with at a cocktail party on the fly to make a deal, and they never bothered to to do a single rewrite. Yeah. Ooh, Moja movie. That was rough. Yeah. All right, let's uh, keep going here to, I think, is a great movie, and unfortunately, still the best Terminator movie. Yeah, T2. T2, Judgment Day, got a re-release in 3D, and it's beautiful in 3D. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some scenes that you wish this was shot thinking of 3D, because some there's a few scenes here and there that, man, if this was shot at another angle, the 3D would have popped. But it's, for a conversion, this is nice. This is well worth the hassle of, of, of seeking out to see in 3d and they also improved cgi and stuff in the movie <laughs> so it's actually like the best version of the movie on top of that because the it, you know how they fix the cgi makes sense it's not um you know it's a like color correction and you know things that were broken in the first version it, this is a better version of that this is a way to okay re-release your movie update it yeah. mm-hmm. and it's not destroying the effects this isn't like what they did to star trek the original series when they updated the effects on that and you know terminator 2 i i love this movie i i kind of feel that i would have wished this one would have been the ultimate edition because some of the deleted scenes that are in the quote-unquote ultimate or extreme version i forget which one it is are, are really great and they add so much character to this but this is the theatrical cut and the 1991 original. It's fantastic. I love that movie. Um, I loved that movie since it came out. And or it, it, it for me, the movie is a 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, I like the I'm as much as I like this. I do prefer the original gritty uh, balls to the wall uh, Terminator. But to me, it's apples and oranges. The first one is a gritty punk rock kind of a B movie done excellently. And this one's a big sci-fi popcorn actioneer uh, adventure sci-fi story. And I love them both, but I feel the same way about alien and aliens. And this was a uh, AMC exclusive for uh, America. So like I had to go out of my way, find the theater. And there's like only one or two screenings for it. And I was like, I don't, all right, fine, you know, but it was worth it. It looked incredible in 3D. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to go travel 90 minutes uh, one way to see this in 3D and then and and do it. And it was only a late night screening. And then I'm coming back uh, out of a college town dodging drunks uh, trying to get home after midnight. Um, and I w- it was like pouring down rain after I got out of this movie. So it's kind of dangerous to come home. Um, but it was awesome to go out of my way to see this movie in 3D. And it makes it so more disappointing that the follow-up to this movie um, did not get a 3D release. It was like, come on! Uh, Terminator uh, Dark Fate. Why didn't it get a 3D release? After how beautiful this movie looks in 3D. <sighs> really? The trailers looked gorgeous. I mean, the movie was eh, but the tra- the 3D trailer looked gorgeous. I don't remember there being a 3D trailer, but maybe, I don't know if it's... Yeah, I saw a trailer. There were a lot of movies I saw 3D trailers for that the last minute they pulled. Uh, you know, Dark Fate was one of them. Um, let me think some of the others. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, I saw a 3D trailer for that. And it got a 3D release on home video in Germany. Uh, T2, I got a copy out of Great Britain. Yeah, that was a problem with it, too. The 3D Blu-ray, it never came out here. And I was like, come on! Like, they had this, like, super big set, and, like, it was, like, $100 or something. But, like, you had to get it from the UK. It's like, come on! Makes Making me mad is they're finally doing a nice set for Friday the 13th. But Friday the 13th 3 isn't getting a 3D release. Name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have ponied up the money for that set and then uh, ate soup for a few months. But, it, hey, it would, be, it would have been a great way to diet. But, hey, I'm not tempted to do something that foolish because uh, no 3D release. And I'm like going, well, that's going to prevent me from doing something incredibly stupid for one damn movie. So the next movie we're going to talk about is weird because I remember seeing a, a, a trailer saying it's going to be in 3D, but when it actually came out in America, it wasn't in 3D, but it did come out in 3D in other parts of the world. Do you know what movie I'm talking about, Jake? Nope. Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Ah, uh, yes. I like this. I like Kingsman movies. Uh I didn't think this one was quite up to the par with the first one, but I did think it was still a very good movie. And Elton John was a hoot. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you 100%. I didn't like this as much as the original, but the original, I feel like I was not expecting much out of it, and it totally blew me away. (laughs) And Mark Strong singing um, Country Roads. That just that was like the third movie that summer that had uh, John Denver's Country Roads in it, which kind of blew my mind. <laughs> and when I was watching this movie, I was like, this would look great in 3D. Why the hell did that movie released in 3D? And apparently other parts of the world got it, but not us. Not the USA. Yeah. And hopefully someday this gets a 3D uh, Blu-ray home release somewhere in the world. I, I, I await that moment. 
this is just such a crazy over the top movie. I mean, both of them are, but this one is just so gory. It's fun. Uh huh. Yeah, it kind of scratches the itch of an old Bond movie, but with a modern sensibility. It's like Bond meets Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, so yeah, I wish I would have seen this in 3D. I hope, you know, maybe people can comment and tell me, oh, I love the 3D in this movie. You guys missed out or what, but I don't know. Some, sometimes America doesn't get all the 3D movies and it's very frustrating to, to be the editor in chief of 3D or 2D.com and not be able to give you a review of something that's a big release like this. And yep, it made 400 million off a hundred. So it made profit and it was really, you know, hard R Mm-hmm. It's just so disappointing to not be able to see this in 3D in America. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, another disappointing movie I heard. I have not watched. Lego Ninjago. What is this about? Uh, This is about the Ninjago uh, things, and it's your basic uh, coming of age, becoming a hero, with voiced by Jackie Chan. Uh, the animation is a lot not as detailed this looks more like a lego tv feature than a film this isn't as elaborate as the other uh lego movies uh and uh this actually did get a u.s release in 3d uh blu-ray uh the 3d is fine the home video release is fine the movie is kind of meh you know, it's diminishing returns. I mean, I'd give it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, this kind of felt like um, what I was thinking the Lego movies would be about. You know, just kind of a cash-in to try to get people to buy different sets of Lego. And... Mm-hmm. It's got a deeper story to it, like uh, the Lego movie or the second one. The point is the, the, the story line. And this kind of was a flop. Yeah, well, Ninjago is not exactly what I would call a, a very popular series in the U.S. I mean, this might have made bank in Asia, maybe. I don't know. And it might have made bank in Europe. But here, Ninjago is not a particularly uh, popular Lego set. So it had a budget of $70 million and made 123 so that's nothing <laughs> for animated movie. Yeah, it might have almost broke even with with tax incentives. Yeah, um, and it, it, yeah. All right, let's keep going here. We got a, a few more left. Uh, this movie was, I think, was fantastic. It, um, now, I had problems with the three D aspect. Some people thought it was really great. I didn't, um, but the movie itself I thought was really fantastic and better than the original, which I'll stand by this hill to die on, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, I loved this movie, uh, and I liked the 3D. I mean, Roger Deakins uh, has the cinematographer on this movie. He said his preferred version is the 2D. But having, but having seen this in 3D, uh, if you've got a, if you can, if you can, if you have a chance to see this in a theater, 
that takes great care to uh, set up their movies for each different film, not just hit a switch and go with the uh, generic settings that the projector just spits out, uh, then you can have a nice experience. But uh, but we know the reality of, of minimum wage slaves in movie theaters. Uh, push, the projection is probably doesn't... You'll be lucky if the damn movie's in focus. It, you know, it did look nice. I won't take that away from it. I just felt like it didn't do that much. It was there. It was just kind of, okay, it's it's there. It's It, it has some kind of neat moments, but... It's just, it's hard to recommend. I feel like it was just like, eh, it's, it's trying, but it just doesn't. Really loved the fight in Vegas when they were in a club in, with, a, with the Elvis hologram. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so, okay. It's really loved the desert uh, scenes when they're out in the red earth walking around. That was really effective. So the original Blade Runner is a very influential sci-fi movie. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's boring and slow and pretentious. I think this movie is better almost every single way. And I happen to be a big fan of the original Blade Runner. But I will be the first to admit it's a pretty leisurely paced movie. But I do enjoy a leisurely paced movie now and then. And I was able to enjoy 49. I mean, I watched Blade Runner. I don't remember which cut. There's too many cuts of that movie. <laughs> Blade Runner, I think, off the top of my head, I think I can recall at least six different cuts. Um, and this one, I feel like, is just tighter movie. It's a smarter movie. Um, it, it really gets a good like. It feels like it does build on the original, but if you haven't seen it, you're still good. You, you can still enjoy this movie. Yeah, you don't. It's not dependent on the first movie to make sense or enjoy this one. Ryan Gosling is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I normally don't like him that much, but uh, I mean, but I really enjoyed him in this and in First Man. He was perfectly cast in both of these. Uh, and I mean, he was good. He's good in La La Land too, but um, he's. Um, he, in this movie, he's more than just the unfunny Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he actually is a real performance, and this character arc is amazing, what he goes through. Uh, and I didn't even mind that Harrison Ford was pretty much just a, a, a glorified cameo in this. Um, yeah, I... He almost steals the entire movie with his small part. Yeah, um, it's it's just it's an amazing deep movie, and um, one of the scenes that was really weird was the sex scene. Whoa! <laughs> and it looks incredible in three D if you've got a good uh, projectionist projecting it on a properly silvered screen. It, it was just weird. <laughs> See that going sideways real quick. Yeah, and Roger Deakins pulls out all the tricks because he's an incredible cinematographer and i enjoyed his 3d work uh, in this i mean sure it was a conversion but it was a nice one the special effects and the cinematography is just 
beautiful to look at. Yeah, this is a beautiful movie. And like the first Blade Runner, uh, this didn't make any money. But it wouldn't be a Blade Runner movie if audiences got it right away. It'll it probably when I'm really old and gray, audiences will discover this and embrace it. It's gorgeous. Um, I did kind of think that this movie was a little bit. I mean, I'm not against the beauty of the female form, but I kind of felt like um, they kind of overdid it. <laughs> this just nudity everywhere is like okay. Um, <laughs> I think I think, a, I think that was a comment on how people are treated particularly women and and also how uh to use the slur of the this universe skin jobs are reduced i mean jared leto's character he I mean he goes on and on about the sanctity and life and stuff and then he just turns around and just arbitrarily randomly just kills um androids i mean just whoa i mean what a jackass yeah, this movie is fantastic. I gave it a 9 and Editor's Choice Movie Award. It, it really, I think, the, some of the ending felt a little bit rushed, but I, I still really love Blade Runner 40, 2049. Mm-hmm. This is a great one. Now, the next one is not a great one. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say that this is so stupid it's fun, but I was not a big fan of it. Um, I get to see this movie at a free screening, and... I thought it was just so dumb. Um, and the free screening was 2D only. And I was like, I'm not wasting my time to see this again in 3D. It may have been great, great in 3D, but I don't know. Uh, Geostorm. Geostorm! God, this movie's trash. It's garbage. And give me more. This is the movie that uh, Sharknado should have been. This movie knows it's stupid. And the 3D is fun. This movie rules in a completely stupid idiotic way that somehow in the future you could control the world by having satellites and it's just like what the hell are you talking about i know this is uh this is kind of a this is a hobbs and shaw movie without hobbs or shaw or state we get gerard butler instead it's every single cliche it's just like come on man Oh, yeah, this is like a perfect double feature with a movie that should have been 3D and wasn't, Hurricane Heist. I thought this was so stupid. I, I gave it a 3 out of 10. I laughed at it, not with it. Uh, Jake, what would you give this? Uh, on a regular movie scale, I would give this a 5. On a, on a so-bad-it's-good scale, I would give it a 7. Um... Yeah, it, I, I can recognize that it's bad. Uh, I didn't enjoy it being good, bad. I just thought, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just messed up as, like, Gods of Egypt, but damn. Uh. Now, I said, oh, my God. Let's talk about a different god, the god of thunder, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. God. Who would think that Thor could be this funny yes i mean we saw inklings of chris hemsworth being funny in the ghostbusters reboot but man he is like on fire in this he is like the male marilyn monroe his comic timing is absolutely brilliant his 
he can use his physical beauty and his physique to to an accentuated joke. Uh, and Mark Ruffalo is just awesome as kind of like almost his straight man in this movie. And Jeff Goldblum as the kind of the nonchalant uh, dictator uh, is, oh my God. And this movie just takes such swipes at the whole Disney corporation and at uh, and colonialism. And I mean, there's a lot going on in this movie. In fact, some of it is just as deep as uh, Black Panther, but this is handled in such a jovial, joking, and gentle manner. I think some of it, people don't really don't feel confronted by it like they do in Black Panther. Um, yeah, and I, you know, we saw the trailers for this, and we're like, okay, cool, and um, looks fun, and. You know, after the fact that Thor the Dark World was such a disaster, it was, you know, hard to imagine that this would be great. And this knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, like, a great Stan Lee cameo as a barber. Um, yeah, and this just, like, completely rejuvenated Thor. Completely. It was just like, okay, it's the end of the world, but let's make it fun, and it's a it's like a hard reset on the Thor franchise. Yeah, and uh, and and Matt Damon has a great cameo in this. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the 3D. I thought it was really good, but I didn't love it. I liked the 3D, and this this was good 3D. Uh, it wasn't perfect. Uh. That probably could that could have partially been presentation, but this was such a beautiful movie. I mean, it just really captured the whole kind of Jack Kirby aesthetic. Um, so James wrote the review for this, and he gave it a ten out of ten. <laughs> what would you give it, J- uh, Jake? Yeah, I have no fault with giving this a ten. I mean, maybe I would have given it a nine. But I have no fault with giving it a 10. This is an amazing movie. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it. Yeah, it's so hard not to love this movie. If you don't love this movie, I, I can't imagine what. Your soul, your soul's dead. Yeah, it's so much fun. I love Hela. Hela is a great villain. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Kate Blanchett. She knows what movie she's in. <laughs> Call her, but he knows what movie he's in. <laughs> And that shake weight, oh my god. <laughs> using the uh, he's yeah, he's using the eye to steal shit from people. I mean he's guarding the whole universe. And what does he do with this power? Steals made in TV junk like a shake weight. Oh, Thor Ragnarok is just just awesome. It, it is such it's just like, you know, most of the time you're like, I don't need a, a more Thor. I didn't want more Thor, and then it just, this one hit the reset button, and it's like, I definitely want more Thor after this. I want an Asgardians of the Galaxy movie. I want the Guardians and Thor together in a movie. Yeah, well, it's going to be a while before we see what happens next for Thor. Yeah, we're going to, it's going to be a while before we see anything. I mean, welcome to the apocalypse. All right, uh, from one comic book movie to another, now... I respect this movie. I like it. I just know 
a lot of people don't. Uh, Justice League. It's this is what ha- Justice. This is how I haven't felt this disheartened from a Warner Brothers movie since I went to see a Blade Runner in the theaters, and even and I could tell the suits interfered with the final product. Oh, the tone is all over the place. <laughs> the this the the theatrical version of Justice League is a mess. Uh, the 3D's a mess. The cinematography's a mess. It's all over the place. Uh, the and, and ironically, the Josh Whedon humor crap is some of the least effective stuff. To the point you were like going, okay. Is this the same guy who did Buffy and Angel? Um, I did like the 3D. I just didn't, you know, love it. And I, I, I like the movie more than than you. I think it's fun. It's just it's all over the place. It's some of it's cringy. Some of it it's funny. It, it just, I feel like I, I did rate it too high. I gave it an eight, but I feel like it's probably seven or six. I'd give it like a five six. Uh, I mean, I don't hate it, hate it, but, uh, I mean, this isn't like, um, bat- it's, it's an improvement over um, Batman versus Superman. Uh, the director's cut I recommend, it's pretty good. It's a lot better than the theatrical version. Steppenwolf is and awful. Heck, mm-hmm, yep, and the CG is awful. Um, some of the dialogue is just, I like it, and then... It's weird. Like Flash is kind of weird. Like I'm not. I still haven't gotten used to his outfit. I know, but he was funny. Uh, and uh, and uh, and Ben Affleck. What's your superpower? I'm rich. His delivery was perfect in that. That was funny. Um, I was able to enjoy it for what it is. I know it's it's controversial, and a lot of people hate this movie. Hey, hey, who am I to judge? I will. I've died on the hill defending Dark Phoenix, and I will die defending that movie. It was okay. It was pretty good. It is not a dumpster fire. This is a smoldering dumpster fire. I I liked it enough. I I felt uh, it was enjoyable enough. But maybe some of it is just me being a DC fanboy. Um, but. Uh, I liked uh, the Lego Batman movie a lot more than you did. You know, we're not going to always agree on everything. Yeah, um, I know. I know it's flawed. <laughs> and I like Geostorm is the trash it is. But I can see how somebody can watch it and and like, oh, God, this is just trash. It was just fun. I liked it. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of people that did. I mean, this made bank. Not that kind much of. bank. It, it made okay. It, it was not as a big a success as they wanted. It, I think they just they wanted a lot more than what it was. Yeah, but they also way overspent on this movie. But hey, we're get it. Snyder's gonna get his vision on. Uh, it's you're gonna have to pay a subscription price to see it. But hey, it's a, Is it is it gonna change the DCU? I doubt it. So if you're, we're wanting this to be remade into Zack Snyder's original vision to reboot the Snyderverse. I don't think that's going to happen. But hey, we're going to 
Warner Brothers is is generally pretty good about correcting their wrongs when they screw over a film. Uh, you know, Blade Runner being the best example, and the next best example, the 1954 version of A Star Is Born, directed by George Cukor. Oh, I hated the new Star Is Born. I got bored of it like halfway. Oh, uh, I haven't. Li- I didn't like the last two. I didn't like the Streisand one, and I didn't like this one. Lady Gaga one, I thought was just so boring and slow. Oh, it just was tedious. Uh, it all the changes to the story. Not one of them was an improvement. There were some good performances. Uh, yeah, who would ever think that? Um, oh God, I can't remember his name. Who is a comedian? Foul mouth comedian. I really liked him as the dad. I'm not going, damn, he's good. And, and of course, Sam Elliott's always good. Even in even when he has a dumb part like, in, like he did in Ghost Rider. Going back to Justice League, it was a little bit weird that uh, Wonder Woman felt like she was uh, slumming it in this movie. Like she was not as good as she was in Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, there were a lot of scenes. She, Gal Gadot refused to, they had to use a body double. Um, like Cyborg, he felt like he got shafted and he got like barely little any screen time on this movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody got screwed over in this movie. So it's it's a weird movie. Um, it's only like a little over ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, I kind of do feel like Superman was better in this than he was in Man of Steel. Like they're finally starting to get what's I think have good Henry Cavill, you know, positivity there. And it was derailed by the god-awful CGI-ing away his mustache. Everyone made fun of that. I, I thought it was bad, but not like... It was terrible. And it looked even worse in 3D. Uh... And I think... And I think the reason they caved in to the demand was because uh, he was doing a Tom Cruise movie that he was and I think they wanted Tom Cruise to sign on as Green Lantern. No, it was because he was doing Mission Impossible Fallout, and his character had like the full-on mustache or full-on not shaved look. Yeah, but they could have still made him shave, and then just said, "Well, guess what? You got to grow it." And then Tom Cruise could go, oh, "Yeah, uh, I'm never going to make a movie for Warner Brothers." But I also think Warner Brothers really wanted him to be Green Lantern. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I think it would have been any different if he would have had the mustache. If the if Henry Cavill did not have a mustache in Mission Impossible Fallout, it would have been the same. So I don't really care. But I guess they just you know they already filmed half the movie or something. Well, Zack Snyder's workaround. He was planning on putting Cavill, having Superman rise with a full beard. Which made more sense for the comic. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Because, I mean, yeah, in the comic, he just had extra long hair. Uh, which would have made sense because his, if he was actually alive, his beard would have grown. You know, that would have made sense for the character. We never got to see Superman with his mullet. Exactly. All right, let's uh, move on to a less controversial movie. Um, one of Pixar's best, Coco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking when this came out, I was like going, oh, God, they're ripping off a book of life. Yeah. But, but damn, this was good. Yeah. Um, I saw this movie twice in the theaters. And uh, my experience with it was really interesting and unique because I am Hispanic. 
And the first time I saw this movie was at early screening in 2D. I was like, no. And I wrote the review. And then a week later, um, I visited my mom and we watched it in 3D in Spanish. So I watched it in Spanish and in English and in 3D and in 2D. It's fantastic. And the Spanish is so perfect. Like they got everyone 100. They didn't dub it. They actually got actors to say everything perfectly in Spanish. Um, but th this movie about death and um, it's just it's beautiful. And it's I mean, if you're not bawling and crying at the end of this movie, you have no soul. This movie's lovely. It is gorgeous. The 3D is amazing. Um, I liked the 3D. I just didn't think it was all that. I thought it was nice, but not, you know, that beneficial to the experience. Um, but the movie itself, beautiful, about singing, about remembering uh, ancestors, and just Remember Me is such a beautiful song, and how the grandma at the end. Yeah, if you don't cry, you have no soul. Oh, and it, it respects Mexican culture and Spanish, and the, it understands it and takes care of it, and it really has a good sense of it, and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's hard to believe this is done by the same studio that did Cars 2. And 3. <laughs> 3 ain't that. 2 is an abomination. It's emoji movie bad. So Coco, I think, is fantastic, is touching, is sweet. It's a great introduction to Day of the Dead, to American audiences that don't know anything. And it feels distinct enough from Book of Life where, you know, they would be a great double feature. Yeah, exactly. They both feel different enough that you get a different experience that it's not a copy of one another. It feels like two independent movies that have similar stories that don't feel like copies. Yeah, it's not like Ants in a Bug's Life. So, let's keep going. We got a super controversial movie here. I loved it when it came out. I was one of the few people that loved it. Um, I could see why people got mad. But this kind of started the unraveling of Star Wars. Last Jedi. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was great. I haven't... All the Disney movies, save Rogue One, have been... Fine. They're okay. They're adequate. The 3D's fine. These are corporate movies made by people that kind of understand Star Wars, but not really. They're made to. They're made to. They're Disney bought this, paid a fortune for it, and are trying to merchandise it because they have a whole Star Wars theme park now. I gave them credit for changing things. That felt like Seven was a little too safe. And I felt like this was... I liked that they changed things there. They had some consequences there. I understand why people got upset because of canon and being different. But I respected it because it went different and went bold. And I like Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. I love Looper. I love Knives Out. Uh, I thought it was an interesting choice. I loved his... I, that, to me, the most interesting things were his choices. I mean, the main interest, that thing that held my interest was when, when Luke throws, the, throws away this, the lightsaber. That I found interesting. And a lot of people were offended by it. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. You obviously missed the whole point of Star Wars. 
I feel like this is like, okay, we're trying to advance Star Wars. We're not trying to keep it from where it was forever. And people just want to keep it where it was. They and don't like, want it where it was. They just only, to them, they only see things on a surface level, black and white. And Star Wars was was always kind of making fun of uh, of authority and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, they just don't get it. Star Wars is a vacuum, but it seems like Star Wars fans only watch Star Wars, live, breathe, and and I don't think they get it. They just get it on a surface level. They don't. Which is kind of why I'm just not that into Star Wars fandom. Yeah, this was a super controversial movie. A lot of Star Wars fans were like, screw this. They changed too many things. They had too many, you know, it's too slow. And um, I, I, I thought it was really pretty and I thought it was it built up really well. He should have rebooted. So I like this movie, but I love it a lot, actually. Yeah, I think I think Disney should have rebooted, just had buried everything because I mean the original casts are way too old. Uh, they should have just rebooted, made a decision: do we want to have Skywalker's, or do we want to just set it in the old Republic or something? Hell, they should have uh, made the man. They should have just made movies of the Mandalorian storyline. That seems to be everybody's loving that. They didn't do uh, Star Trek or how they did Star Trek in the Next Generation. They didn't do that for Star Wars. It really stayed the same. And it, the, you know, Next Generation Star Trek um, really advanced things and had things that are different. And this Star Wars that doesn't really want to be different. Well, the thing is, Lucas for some stupid reason decided instead of taking his cast and continuing the saga from the original trilogy he decided to do prequels and they sucked they were horrible i didn't give a shit sorry i'm trying not to swear but i could use a lot stronger language they're god awful they killed about any interest i have in star wars I mean, those prequels were god-awful. Yeah. Oh. Some of the jokes in this movie do, do fall flat, and it, it, it does, um, you know, it just, some of the stuff is not resolved, and after seeing the sequel, it, it's still not resolved. If anything, they reconned it, retconned it again. So it, it's this movie is more frustrating to look back on than it was when it came out because, you know, if they would have gone the direction that they were going here, they, okay, cool. But now they decided to, you know, retcon it again. And it, it shows that they had no plan. They had no plan for this franchise. And it's frustrating to see these movies now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm, I'm pretty much over Star Wars. I could care less what they do with it. I mean, uh, I watch, I mean, I pretty much, watch the original trilogy and Rogue One. I have no interest in anything else. So, yeah. Um, Last Jedi is, is super controversial. Either you love it or you hate it or, you know, it, it, 
yeah, Star Wars, it's sad that they just didn't have a real, like, they didn't have a Marvel Cinematic Universe plan for Star Wars. They're just kind of making up as they go along. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy is definitely not uh, Kevin Feige. All right, we got two more movies. Super long podcast. Uh, Ferdinand, the the, the cartoon ball about being sweet. Uh, Jake, what'd you think of this? It was okay. Yeah. If it's fine 3D, fine character designs, it would be... It's a pity it didn't get a 3D uh, home video release anywhere in the world. Because if it did, I might be tempted at the right price to pick it up. He doesn't want to be a... uh, Ferdinand is a a story based on like a a book that's been around forever. And... Of course he doesn't want to be in fights because the bull always gets killed. Which, you know, call me a crazy liberal, but I kind of think it's cruel. <laughs> yeah, bull fighting is kind of cruel. And 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 having bulls chase uh, tourists one day, uh, for one a couple of days a year doesn't make up for it. Sorry. So, um, yeah, it's... I rented this movie, uh, and I watched it because my wife really likes the book um, when she was a kid, and it's fine. It's not terrible. It just it it feels too long. I mean, it really shouldn't have been a movie. It should have been a short. You know, there's nothing there that really is that much better. It's it's completely like a six out of ten. It's okay, you know. Yeah. And the next movie, the last movie we're going to talk about is. Movie that, back in the day, me and James made fun of this movie. Both thought it was going to be trash, and we were wrong. Jumanji, great movie. Yeah. In fact, this is even better than the original. Um. Yeah, the movie the is 3D, so much fun. The 3D in this is great. Not the best I've ever seen, but it is good. Uh. This is laugh. This is laugh out loud. It's rewatchable. The Rock is uh, absolutely hysterical. Uh, Jack Black steals the movie though, as um, as Shelley. I mean, this movie is just so good. It's so funny. It's this is probably the best gaming movie ever made. Yeah, it feels like they got a video game and. Like someone that actually plays video games and knows video games and made it into this movie and it makes sense as like a video game movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and Karen Gillum is so funny in this. I mean, this movie is just so, so good. Yeah, Sony really figured out how to make this movie something unique and... Yeah, it actually made money against Star Wars. Yeah, this made a ton of money. And this was a movie I was thinking, you know, oh, Sony, you're still stupid. You're just trying to make money, just like your Mojo movie. And no, this is actually a legitimately well-made movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sequel's good, too. Yeah. yeah. The, the third one in this series, the sequel to this, is actually good. In fact, it was good enough. I can't wait till the next one. Of course, who knows when that will be. So, yeah. Uh, Jumanji, welcome into the jungle. Way better than you thought it would be. Way better. Yeah. It's, 
yeah. Well worth trying to see in 3D. It's a pain in the butt. Because this didn't get a US 3D release. You know, and this this kind of proves sometimes you see a trailer or you see a, you know, you hear about a movie coming out and you just like, eh, it's stupid or I don't want to see that. And then when he actually comes out, it shuts your mouth and you're like, damn, that was actually way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes film reviewing so much fun. You never know. You get surprised. Surprises like this make uh, all the times you got to sit through stuff like Passengers almost worth it. And this is another James review. Uh, James, he gave me the review and I was like, seven? Seriously? Like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. It's like, whoa, I was not expecting a 7 out of 10. Um, you know, we were thinking, we were making fun of this movie back in the day, and we thought it would be like a 3 out of 10. And 7 is pretty good score for this movie. I, and I agree with it. Mm-hmm. How they handle the character's death as a video game, brilliant. <laughs> yep. It's fun. Um, so let's uh, wrap up, Jake. This is a two-hour podcast. Whew. Yeah. Hey, guys, you're getting your money's worth today. Yeah, you pay us nothing and we give you so much content for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you imagine what we would do for you if you paid us? Right. <laughs> Be our patron for $1, $2 a month. Not asking much. <laughs> um, all right, so overall best movie, overall worst movie. This is a hard one. Best movie movie there are so many good movies this year yeah this is hard um you want to pick one or two or a couple okay um i would put coco thor ragnarok and blade runner 2049 in the best okay um beauty and the beast for me wonder woman for me (laughs) um and war for the planet of the apes yeah, and worse, uh, Emoji Movie, Despicable Me 3, and The Mummy. You stole all of my worst ones. Yeah, and Best Trash Movie, Geostorm! Um, best Trash Movie for me, Justice League! <laughs> <laughs> that works! Um, best Animated Movie, um, Coco, by far. I think yeah. that yeah. Oh, we forgot one movie. <laughs> what did we? Valerian in the city of a thousand planets. Uh, we didn't forget much. It's gorgeous to look at, but it's a it's a mess. Um. Yeah. The most noteworthy thing about this movie is that it's attached to a very bad memory for me that my truck died after watching this movie, and you know that truck was inherited by my father you know my father and i had it for 10 years and it was just a traumatic experience um valerian is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous like a star trekky kind of thing and it's i think had potential to be great but it just fell so bad it just did not have good leads the two characters here awful no chemistry at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of the anti-fifth element. Yeah. Um, this was, like, done by the government or something, and it had really cool 3D and really interesting ideas, you know? So, like, original concepts. Yeah. 
it was beautiful to look at. 3D is gorgeous. They just needed more story. And the, the two leads here are just so bad. They just don't... It's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, this is like... Uh, it's one of the things that derailed um, um, John Carter and derailed uh, Mortal Engines, where the leads had no chemistry. Uh, Dan DeHan plays Valerian, and Kara de Vergie plays Lorian, and they're supposed to be like a, you know, a couple will they won't they get together? And it just doesn't make sense. Like it, they have no chemistry together. It's written terribly, and they just don't work as a couple. And like you're exploring the the story here is like you're trying to explore. Um, this space station that has people from all around the galaxy. Um, and it's like trying to get into like a federation. Um, it's very Star Trek-y. Um, and it's really interesting concepts here. It just, these two leads just kill it. Yeah. Some fun alien species here. Um, it, it, it just... It looks pretty. It's so cool, interesting ideas. Like, this should be something, you know, that is incredible, and it just doesn't hold it. Yeah, something definitely went wrong in the editing room, putting this together. It had just so many cool ideas of, like, you know, a space station for multiple different alien species to live in, and... um having like a murder mystery and ah, ugh, it's so hard because like, I want to love this movie, but it's just so bad. And yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about passengers. Um, I gave it a six out of 10 and it was just like, I wanted to give this an eight. I wanted to give this a higher score. If it yeah. wasn't for the bad acting, this would be like one of the more original kind of interesting ideas. Yeah, I mean, now you know how I felt when I reviewed uh, Wrinkle Time. <laughs> yeah, and this was a big flop. Like, it was $200 million budget, and it made $225 million. And this was made by, I think, a government or something. And they were pissed off that it didn't work out. Yeah. Ugh, so sad. Um, yeah. Okay, worst animated movie. Oh, uh, dis- uh, Despicable Me 3. Okay. It's even, in some ways, uh, in the Emoji movie, I think they pretty much tie. Yeah, I- I'll give it to Emoji Movie. Um, best 3D. Hmm. That's a tough one, trying to think. Uh, I'm going to say, I know Transformers sucks, but damn it, it had great 3D. Because it was filmed in 3D, in IMAX 3D, and it just was gorgeous to look at. And Terminator 2 kind of gets an honorable mention because that was a conversion and it looked beautiful. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, there were so many. Like Thor Ragnarok had really good 3D. I liked Blade Runner 2049's 3D. Worst 3D? Uh, I would give it to Monster Trucks because it was non-existent. <laughs> um, Mummy was really bad in 3D. <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, yeah, there's a lot of movies here we did not mention. 
Um, just because it's already two hours, man. We don't got three hours, five hours to do a podcast. And we haven't seen all these movies, so we're sorry. Yeah, and some of them never, yeah, and a lot of them never played here in 3D. And there, I watched the first Underworld. I never watched Blood Wars. Is that the fifth one or something? Ah, whatever. Uh, yeah, I've seen one Underworld movie, I think. Maybe two of them. I couldn't tell one from another. I never watched Triple X, so I never was not interested in this sequel. Yeah, I didn't. In fact, I don't even think it played 3D near me. I didn't watch Smurfs. So I was not in the mood to watch that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'd already been bit twice. And this one didn't play near me in 2D or 3D. King Arthur looked terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was uh, recovering from surgery. Captain Underpants, it looked like a baby movie. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm just, I can't, no. In fact, I don't remember there being a 3D screening because I'm sure I would have gotten talked into babysitting a crowd of kids to see it. Nutjob 2, I never, pff, yeah, whatever. I'm not wasting my time with that. Yeah. I think I saw the first one. Didn't bother with the second one. All right. Uh, memorable 3D or memorable scene that you really liked in 3D? Oh, No Man's Land and Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, I got to give it to Beauty and the Beast, uh, uh, you know, be my guest scene. It was beautiful. It beautiful in 3D. I just want to stand up and cheer. It was, that was incredible. Um, Hidden Gem. <laughs> that one, this one's kind of hard. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, since most of you obviously didn't go see it. Yeah. Um, I don't have a better one than that, because I don't think there was one. Um, now, maybe some of these Asian movies I haven't been able to see yet. There might be a hidden gem in there, but I haven't rooted it out yet, because uh, China's not... They used to release everything in 3D Blu-ray, and now they're being very picky about what gets a home video release, which is sad. There's like a movie called Sung of Bigfoot. We never watched that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that in 3D. Um, okay. So, you know, we covered basically everything that we've seen. Uh, now, this is, a, this is a super hard one. Best superhero movie. Hmm. I'm going to give it to Thor Ragnarok. <sighs> I'm going to give it to Wonder Woman. I mean, I like Wonder Woman a lot, but Thor, heck, uh, if, if, if I could have just as easily picked the Lego Batman movie, too, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was, yeah, 2017 was a great year for uh, 3D superhero movies. Yeah. Um, so, everyone listening and watching this, what did we miss that you really want to us to talk about? Did we short, you know, a movie? That you really want to, you know, did you really love Ferdinand or The Treasure? I don't know what that is. <laughs> but, you know, is uh, Monster Trucks a, a, a gem that we are just ripping on because it looks bad, but actually is a great movie? I don't know. You tell me in the comments. Yeah. Yeah, tell us. If you got to see it in 3D, tell us how it was. What were some of your favorite movies? Did you like The Boss Baby? We didn't, but maybe you loved it. Yeah. Um, comment below. Tell us what you think. Um, but yeah, that's going to be it for this time capsule podcast. Woo. Again, longer and longer. We used to have them in 45 minutes. Remember that? <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us. Any other last words you want to say, Jake? I think we've said enough. Screw you, Emoji Movie. Screw you to hell. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh
Bye. Bye. Before this podcast wraps up, I want to thank my patrons. Thank you, Kano3D and Mr. Bingo5 for your financial support on Patreon.com. So that's going to be it for this podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find 3D or 2D on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, and more. Just look for 3D or 2D. Links are in the info box. If you want to send us listener mail, our email address is email3dor2d at gmail.com. Thank you for either listening or watching this podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. So, Jake, I think we should talk about this. Okay. What are we talking about? Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Kill me. Kill me now. This was a quote-unquote short movie before Coco. And it was so bad, like two or three weeks after Coco's release, they stopped airing it because people complained too much. Yeah. Imagine that. People complaining about getting too much from Disney. And um, so... Okay, what is this about, just in case? This is, this is going to be a post credit scene for uh, anyone listening, because uh, this deserves a post credit scene. Uh, well, it's about 20 minutes too long, for starters. It's basically Olaf gets into hijinks, and stuff happens. The 3D's nice, but there's basically maybe seven, eight minutes of story in this 30-minute um, short. Yeah, it's like a whole Christmas theme. Okay, cool. Frozen. It's after Frozen. It's Frozen 1.5. And, uh, you know, we got to celebrate, you know, winter solstice or some shit. And, you know, it's an excuse to have Olaf be, you know, this is everything I was thinking Frozen 1 was going to be. They should have put this with a movie that's more themed with it. I'm sorry, but Coco and Olaf just aren't two things that mix well together. And being 40 minutes, it felt like two and a half hours. Yeah, this it felt longer than Coco. And it, it was just, the songs were not inspired. It was just, it completely deflated any hype I had for Frozen 2 at the time. It was just so bad. Mm-hmm. I was like... I couldn't figure out why they thought it was worth converting to 3D and putting in the theaters with it. If it would have been 10 minutes, okay. You know, maybe eight and a half. Mm-hmm. They probably would. They might have been able to stretch it out to 15 minutes. Maybe. But that's a stretch. 40 minutes here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like this was made to be put on a on TV in an hour slot. It should have been made to put it in a half-hour slot at the most. With the commercial breaks, yeah. You know, they would have had 21 minutes. I mean, they might have been able to salvage them. But I still think, you know, seven, eight minutes would have been even better. Yeah, this would have been a Disney Channel premiere with, uh, you know, 40 minutes. And then it being a whole hour long with commercials. That would have worked. That would have been, okay, and those people that want to see it will watch it. But this was shoved down the throats of everyone that watched Coco for the first two or three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and kids complained. My screening. They were like, when's Coco going to start? I don't like this. Make it go away. I heard that, too. You know, when kids are complaining that the cartoon is too long, 
you got a problem. And when they don't like Olaf, you got a double problem. Yeah, exactly. Because Olaf is one of Disney's most popular modern characters. Now, I mean, okay, we're complaining about it. It's not like a one out of ten. It's not Emoji moving bad. It's just. It's like a five out of ten. Yeah, it's a five out of ten. You're 100% right there. It's just, okay, I get it. It's Christmas episode, you know, whatever. And it just, 40 minutes is way too long for this movie. Yeah. And, like, this kind of broke a lot of, Pixar had a lot of shorts before their movies. And um, this (laughs) was not short. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. This was phoned in. This was just, okay, this is a good way to get Coco. Like, if some reason, somehow, there are some racist people at Disney, they're like, you know what? Coco's not going to do well. It's too Mexican. It's too Spanish. Let's, uh, you know, this is the era of Trump. Let's uh, put Frozen, Olaf Frozen Adventure in front of it. They'll get people in the theaters. You know, and they were dead wrong. Yep. Yeah, it's just so tedious to watch. And um, when I went to the free screening of, of uh, Coco, did not have it in front. And I was like, huh, interesting. I went to go see it in Spanish. They did. And I was like, oh. Was it dubbed in Spanish? It was. Ah. Which, it's weird because Spanish singing is different than Spanish speaking. Uh Uh-huh. So it it just didn't feel right, you know? Um, it, It just didn't work. And I think my mom was like, did we go in the wrong theater? Because I don't remember this being part of the movie. You told me this was going to be a movie about, you know, death and really sweet cartoon. And I took my mom to see this, Coco, in Spanish, and she loved it. And she was just like, I'm ready to go out and talk to the manager and get this crap off the screen. <laughs> it was just that. It could have been worse. Your mom could have taken you to see Sausage Party. Ugh. I my mother... Uh, pick that. <laughs> I still tease her to this day. Um, so I thought the 3D was kind of weak. It's just there. It's just basic. And uh, the movie itself, I officially gave it a 4 out of 10. I didn't write a review. I just did a podcast. Um, you know, it's just wasted time. Mm-hmm. It's surprising that they're able to have Frozen 2 come out after this and Frozen 2 be so great. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, this was like, oh my god, they, they just ruined Frozen with this. You know, it was that kind of, okay, I get it, move on. And they were able to recover. Yeah. And we pretty love Frozen too. A lot of people don't, but I think it's great. Oh, I like it more than the first one. So, yeah. Um, the first one, uh, pretty much all around this song, Let It Go. This one actually had a real soundtrack and had a more of a story. I like the story was like, Oh, we want to have new traditions for Christmas time because, uh, you know, and it's just like, whatever, whatever movie. Mm-hmm. And even though the second one didn't have a, a, a song like Let It Go, it had a lot of strong numbers. Yeah. So this is like a dishonorable mention, <laughs> you know, dishonorable because they, they just shoved it down your throats and made you watch <laughs> in front of Coco. And then they dumped it to television. So now it'll. Uh, bore kids at home every Christmas. Yep. That's it for this. Bye. Bye.